The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of the Heat Check, is it Maya Culpa Day? Maya Culpa Day? It must be, because I must walk back my take on Brandon Miller, Trey Young, and bust face Cade Cunningham. What in the name of tarnation is going on? Also, way too much time in Portland who are currently getting waxed as I speak by a 14-win team, the Charlotte Hornets. So we must get this team in order. We get into that as well as the latest Doc Rivers shit-talking and some news from around the league. Let's get right into it, Anthony, before my migraine comes back. Drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. Oh, we got a lot to get into, but before we do, we got to do a little bit of a wellness check on my guy, Anthony Irwin. Check out his podcast, also Lakers Lounge. Um, are you okay, Anthony? No. My producer? Uh, are you okay? Nope. Anthony, are you okay? Nope. Are you okay, Anthony? Nope. Uh, nope. He tweeted today uh, that Darvin Ham, head coach of the Lakers, was the worst coach he'd ever seen in his life as a Lakers fan, including Byron Scott, who was, I think, taking the cake until today. Surely not worse than Luke Walton, right? That's what I said. Oh, baby, he said yes, considering the expectations. Shit is not going well in La La Land. Let's dig into that in the coming week, but for now, I hate to start another episode with some Doc River slander, but God damn it, the excuse tour continues. It's like fucking... The era's Taylor Swift tour now. It just goes from country to country, from city to city. You know which hits he's going to play. It's going to be Bad Blood first. Uh, And then it's, I don't even know. I don't know the songs well enough to go through the fake Doc Rivers era's tour. But it doesn't ever seem to end, okay? Last week, we got the entire J.J. Redick boo-ha-ha. It was J.J. Redick against the world. Doc Rivers got called out for throwing players under the bus as his M.O., and if you thought that that was the end on that, well, he returned to Philly on Sunday, and let's just say uh, the excuses continued as his tenure as the Sixers coach. This is what he said. I just wish we could have gone further. I just wish I could have had the chance to have Joel healthy in the playoffs. 
Oh my God. But you know, when I took this job here, I think we had gotten swept the year before in the first round. That regular season, the next year, we won the East, lost to Atlanta, which I would have loved to have that one back as a group. But overall, Joel did become an MVP. We established this team as a championship contender, and that wasn't said the year before. Excuse me, ahem, ahem. Excuse me, can uh, back here from the cheap seats, uh, excuse me, Glenn, you do realize that Brett Brown went as far as you did in the playoffs twice in the previous two years? He had two 50-plus win seasons. I think Doc Rivers likes to just make shit up. By the way, real quick, remember that famous uh, quote where everyone was hammering Doc Rivers about his slipping away 3-1 leads, and then he was talking about, oh, yeah, we lost to the team that won the title, the Detroit Pistons. By the way, the Orlando Magic team, did you see who was on that roster? Did you see? By the way, by that point, the Detroit Pistons hadn't won shit yet. They hadn't done a goddamn thing at that point. They went on to win the next year. I saw that and I did a little mask one. I'm like, that's not being talked about enough. Better yet, when asked how he blew the series against the Boston Celtics while up 3-2, he said, honestly, I haven't thought about it much since. I mean, maybe they were better. Could that be a possibility? That's probably why you picked them, right? That's one reason. I thought game six was our game. I didn't think Joel got the ball enough. Oh, my God. Trust me, it was for him to get it, and he didn't get it. And I don't know how healthy he won, was. All right, let's count the excuses in that paragraph. Maybe they were better. That's what, That's one. I thought game six was our game, and Joel didn't get the ball enough. That's two. Trust me, it was for him to get it, and he didn't get it. Three. Number four, I don't know how healthy he is. That's fucking impressive. That's one, two, three, four. That's five lines and four excuses. That's 1.25 excuses per line. 0.75 excuses per line. You know, whatever, okay? Either way, fucking impressive. And if you thought he was done saying dumb shit, you don't know Doc Glenn Rivers. By the well... By the way, Joel shot the ball 20 times in Game 6 and 19 ga- times in Game 7. In fact, the only game in the entire series who sh- he shot more than he did in Game 6 was when he had 23 shots in Game 5. What the fuck are you talking about, Doc? Do you even keep receipts? Doc said this, this about his 3-7 and seven start to his Bucks coaching career. Man, here we go. Taking a job when you're about to go on the toughest road trip of the season is not the smartest decision. I even told them that. Can we just wait till All-Star break? You know when there's like a third of a season left? That would have been a lot nicer. Are we serious? Is this for real? I mean, the dude came after Adrian Griffin's job the entire season and was like, whoa, 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 can we wait till after the All-Star break? I know I fucking put his head on the spike for y'all. Can you guys use Joe Prunty again for the interim job until, I don't know, I get to play golfing after the All-Star break? Are we fucking for real? Get all the way out of here with this. Get all the way out of here with this.
Interestingly, the Bucks had a get-right game against the Sixers on Sunday because why? Because they have nobody. They blew their doors off in what was their best victory of the Doc Rivers era. But again, Sixers without Embiid are fucking trash. They'll probably write the ship enough to get the two seed in the East. I don't know about that. That will make the inevitable flame out, though, in the postseason that much more sweet, that much more predictable. And guess what? And guess what? And guess what? I bet you, folks. It's the Sixers that take them out, too, just to make that fucking better. All right, let's move on. Getting a little hyped up with my migraine. I don't love having to say this, but there comes a time when a woman has to stand on her statements and admit maybe she was wrong. Today, that girl is me. Gives me no pleasure to issue a Maya culpa. <sighs> Deep breath. Woosa. Here it is. Been talking about it. Been thinking about it. I even mentioned it before on the podcast. Whispering. I think I'm going to say it with a little more bass in my voice. I think I might have been wrong about Brandon Miller. Okay. I think I might have been wrong about... Brandon Miller, but he is in a losing situation, (laughs) and he's not asked to run a team, and how many of his buckets lean to winning, I don't want to say it, (sighs) anyways, he's been pretty good, he's been pretty, pretty, pretty good in his rookie year, I was dead certain that he was a baby deer with no legs and no hips. I was dead certain that his game would not translate to the NBA level. But as it turns out, I might have been wrong about that. Turns out you go to the Charlotte Hornets, you can put up 35 on any given night when everybody's allowing you to score 120. Is it a Maya Copa? I don't know yet. All I'll say is he's playing well. Brandon Miller is balling the fuck out in Charlotte right now. That's true. All those early season mistakes that he had where he looked like a fucking deer in headlights, not making anywhere near as many of those anymore. No Lamella Ball right now. Just want to say. He's playing so well that friend of show Tony Jones had this to say. I think Brandon Miller is the best player on the roster despite Lamello Ball's counting stats being superior to Miller's. When I watch Miller play, I see a younger version of Paul George. As controversial as this would sound, I would trade... Ball and build around Miller. And I'm sorry, what? Tony Jones? I at first thought it was Tim Bontemps, but Tony Jones knows ball, bro. And I'm not sure if Tony Jones is smoking crack. I don't think he's smoking crack. I love Tony Jones. But that take is fucking wild. And I know LaMelo Ball isn't on the court. I know that. He's played 184 games in his first four seasons, 63% of the available Hornets games. That's very bad. But can you only have one good player on a team that has 14 wins? I don't know if that's a recipe for for success. By the way, I tell you what, here's the thing. Paul George is his absolute ceiling. Absolute ceiling. He has specifically come out and said, Paul George, by the way, I am not a 1A. I am absolutely not a 1A. Everyone knows this. In fact, he had to leave Indiana because he couldn't get Anthony Davis to go there, who 
may or may not be a 1A. And so he ended, ended had to go to, I don't know what that was. He then had to go to OKC, play with Russell Westbrook, still not enough to get a win. Dame Lillard famously ended that franchise's run until they had to rebuild. Then he has to go to L.A. to play with Kawhi, and then that's not enough. So they had to trade for Harden, a guy who can score and pass similarly to LaMelo Ball. And if you're worried about LaMelo Ball and his injury issues, do you think other teams might be worried about LaMelo Ball and his injury issues? Just what a fucking wild take. Stay off the internet, folks. Stay off the internet. That was one of the craziest things I saw all day. I didn't even realize that it was friend of show Tony Jones. We're going to have to talk about that. There are plenty of players like Brandon Miller who can play with a guard that can score and pass like LaMelo Ball. That's like kind of the thing, right? Tyrese Halliburton, point, point guard who can pass and can score. Goes with the wing. I don't know. OG Ananobi, Jalen Brunson, OG. If your absolute ceiling is Paul George and he's not a 1A, why are you trading your point guard? If you're worried about his injuries, I think other teams are worried about his injuries. Anyway, I asked this on Twitter, but I'll put it to you here. Do you know of any player that missed significant time in their first four years, which is 20% or more of their available games, who then went on to be a reliable starter the rest of their career? I am drawing a blank. A lot of people said Steph Curry because he missed a lot of games in his third season, but he played over 95% of his available games in seven of his first eight years. Others said Stephon Marbury, who could never get over the injury bug until he got to China although he did miss two games in two and a half seasons in Phoenix. You could also point to Elgowskis, who missed a ton of times in his first season before becoming a reliable starter over his next six years, but he's not what we would call some sort of star player. You'd have to go all the way back to Ron Harper of the Bulls dynasty to find an impact player who's snake-bitten and became reliable. Harper missed 40% of his available games in four of his first six seasons before missing only 22 games in his next seven years. My point in bringing this up is, pull the ripcord on Zion, though. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think we should kind of be worried about LaMelo Ball. I'm not sure if he's going to be long-term healthy. I don't know that he's, if you can trade him now, given the fact that he's been injured pretty much all year. I like Brandon Miller. I do. I like P.J. Washington, he's gone. I like Terry Rozier, he's gone. I like Gordon Hayward, he's gone. It can't just be Brandon Miller and fucking Nick Smith, okay? Like, I'm sorry. It can't just be those two. You can't be hoping that, that you're going to get something out of Mark Williams someday. In his last 12 games, Miller's averaging 22-5-3 with 2.7 stocks per game. He's playing pretty good defense right now. Big knock against him earlier this year was his defense. Better yet, though, are his shooting splits, 46, 40, and 87. But it's his 40% from three that's just very eye-popping. His first 10 games this season, he shot under 26% from deep. And guess what? And guess what? I was screaming. <laughs> I was yelling. Yeah! But as a Blazer fan, I should have known. Whoever picks before or after us will get the player that's good. And we won't. When you toss out those first 10 games, though, Brandon Miller is hitting 44% from three for the season. Golly. What a matchup nightmare. 6-7, wingspan, one inch shorter than Kawhi Leonard, finesse touch around the rim. Hips are moving uh, like Shakira. His hips are not lying right now, folks. He doesn't have the greatest handles. He has decent on-court awareness. But listen, folks, he 
is on a team with 14 wins. Can you tell I'm struggling with this, Maya Culpa? Because I can tell. I'm like going back and forth, devil on my shoulder, angel. He's on a 14-win team, Trista. He's not leading the team, Trista. He's not the point guard, Trista. They're covering up all of his deficiencies, Trista. He is fucking balling, though, Trista. He really is. He needs to improve getting to the line. He averages just two free throws per game. He should probably get five, six, seven, eight uh, in terms of his size. He's an excellent free throw shooter, though. He needs to cut back on his turnovers, but he's a rookie. And he's got size, he's got length, and he's playing a lot better than Paul George did his rookie fucking year. I tell you what. And he's shown glimpses of what could be in Charlotte. He had 35-6 and six against Indy. He had 5 for 12 from deep, 12 for... 10 for 12 from the line. He should really get to the line like 10 times a game. 33, 4, and 3 the next night against the Lakers. Five steals, two blocks in those games, only two, three turnovers. That would, that would put him on the Wheaties box, folks. That would give him his own signature shoe. He is not doing this in any games that matter, and as the team just recently blew up the roster, a lot of those possessions came his way out of necessity. All of this brings up a couple of questions. Is it unreasonable for the Hornets to consider moving on from Lamelo while he's healthy? Yes. Should they build around Brandon Miller? Yes. Both things can be true, folks. <laughs> Both things can be true. Lamelo Ball and Brandon Miller are like peas and carrots. I don't know why you would trade one. I, I don't. I don't get it. You can have. That's why they didn't draft Scoot. That was the whole problem. Can't have Scoot and Lamelo. I'm sorry, the whole reason they drafted Brandon Miller was for him to coexist with LaMelo. This is a good thing, folks. Tony, what are we doing? Second and more personal for me, would I take Brandon Miller over Scoot? I am still thinking about that. <laughs> I will get back to you. I don't think so. An elite point guard is like a unicorn. Almost none of them have great rookie years. Damian Lillard was the unicorn of unicorns. He also was a four-year player. The NBA in the college ranks at Weber State with an NBA with the uh, foot injury in college. I think Scoot's going to be a star, but the fact that I paused and you heard me pause says a lot about how good Brandon Miller's been. So yeah, for the record, maybe could have been, possibly, jury's still out on whether I was wrong on Brandon. Since uh, we are in the trust tree here. We'll move on. I should probably get this off my chest as well. Trey Young, who I have constantly, nightly called the most overrated star player in the NBA, is having quite a year. Quite a year. Uh, which is why the latest news is such a bummer. Shams dropped this on Sunday. Atlanta Hawks say all-star Trey Young will undergo surgery to repair a ligament tear in the fifth finger of the left hand and will be reevaluated in four weeks, which would put them on March 25th, right before the playoff start, and I would guess that means out for the year. He has had a nice season, though, despite the fact that the Hawks are sinking like a boat anchor. They will not be in the playoffs, despite the fact that all season there have been trade rumors surrounding him and DeJounte Murray. He put up 26-3-11. and this season on 43, 37, and 86 shooting splits. Remember in the beginning of the year, he was shooting like 27% from three? Holy shit. Uh, in one 10-game stretch in December, he averaged 31, 4, and 13. 44% from three. Ooh. But I tell you what, it's not that, because he's been doing that. And I've been talking shit about that. It's the defense, baby. 
It has caused me to relent on the Trey Young bashing. He's gone from a consensus cone, worst defender in the league, to pretty good player, net neutral, which is not no small feat. Damian Lillard couldn't do it, and he's a lot bigger. He's done this by being opportunistic. He's averaging 1.4 steals per game. He started the season with 18 out of the first 20 games getting a steal or more. But his ability to get around screens and Quinn Snyder's drop defense has been eye-opening this year. He has drawn 30 offensive fouls this year, six more than anyone on the Hawks. He is just taking charges, folks. Woo-wee! Uh, like his name was the Trump Golds, he's also good for sixth in the entire NBA behind Trey Jones, Tim Hardaway, Lou Dort, Kobe White, and Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, by the way, leading the entire NBA with 59 drawn offensive foul calls. And yes, I had to look up every team in the NBA to get these stats for you. That's how much I love y'all. That combined with the fact that he's eighth in the NBA in steals means he is no longer the cone that he used to be. A side note to this, Trey Young draws 6.5 fouls per game on offense, fifth in the NBA. So he draws fouls and gets opponent players to commit offensive fouls. That is valuable. His defensive rating is 123.3 this year, which is the worst of his career. But the team, to be honest, fucking stinks. And that is more to do with those players around him. Uh, on this terrible Hawks team than anything else. So, Trey Young, I'm sorry. I am sorry. So, it kind of sucks when I can finally watch Trey Young play without wanting to throw my remote through the TV. He gets gets hurt, probably decides I just want to be done with the season because it's been awful. There are already conspiracy theories floating around that he's sitting out because he wants to play with Victor Weminyama in San Antonio, and the Hawks desperately need some first-round picks. Since the Spurs have two first this first year in the lottery, Trey and Victor... Could be the key to success in San Antonio. As it is, I am relieved to not be on the Trey Young hate train anymore. It's hard out here on the Trey Young hate train. That thing, you feel like sometimes you're on the Trey Young hate train tracks more than the train. You know what I mean? You're just like, help me. He has like 19 assists in a game. You're like, he sucks. Tell you what, it's exhausting. Anyway, got some news from around the league to get to, starting with something in the water because everyone and their mom is throwing down. And I don't mean dunks. I mean blows. I mean everyone seems to be fighting, folks. Just this weekend we got Isaiah Stewart going Tommy Hearns in the locker room before games. Dennis Schroeder going after Mike Conley. Mike Conley, who has gone 17 years without a single technical for hitting a meaningless three as time expires. But the real fireworks took place in Miami, where everybody got suspended. The Heat in the Pelicans staged WrestleMania, NBA style. It started when Zion went up for a dunk. Kevin Love fouled him hard. Good for you, Kevin. Now keep in mind after the game, Zion said that he thought Love was actually catching him to avoid him getting injured, so that was hard to see in the moment. Najee Marshall ran into Zion's aid. Jimmy Butler decided to play the Great Wall of China, and Najee was having none of that shit. He reached out and grabbed Butler by the throat. Throat, folks. By, by the Adam's apple. And then all hell broke loose because you can't come after Jimmy, especially when it's the Miami Heat. They're coming after everyone. Thomas Bryant came out swinging. Good for you. Jose Alvarado's just jabbing and, and moving his head, trying to get out of the way because Thomas Bryant v. Jose Alvarado, not good for Jose Alvarado. It ended with all four players, Butler, 
Marshall, Bryant, and Alvarado all getting ejected. Oh, baby, now we got bad blood. Those four and Nikolajovic as well were suspended a game and fined, but Jimmy seemed to take it in stride. He posted a photo of Akon's I'm locked up, it won't let me out, no. As well as the Bad Boys movie poster with his and Jovic's face transposed on it. Miami getting spicy at the right time to turn their season around. And the fact that Jimmy is willing to go after a dog like Najee Marshall, that is a good sign if you're a Heat fan. Just in time to knock the Boston Celtics out of the playoffs, (laughs) if you ask me. Moving on. More Maya Culpa. Cade Bustface. Cunningham, doing his best Brandon Miller impression, getting buckets on a terrible team, uh, getting pissed he's not getting the player calls that his player of a caliber. Let me try that again. He is pissed. He's not been getting the calls a player of his caliber usually gets. Sometimes you just write things, and they're hard to say. In the 10 games before he got injured on January 7th, could have been a good joke there if it was a day earlier. And subsequently missed 10 games. He was 29-4-8. Putting up 29-4-8 on 53-37-85 shooting splits. With 1.8 stock, stock, stocks per game. Pretty damn good for a team that Monty Williams is hell-bent to sabotage this year. No reason why, which we'll talk about at some point. The problem is, why? Kate ain't getting no calls. When asked why, he said this, I take pride in being a good basketball player. I don't take pride in the fact that I can't get to the line. I'm trying to get there. I'm watching the stuff, trying to learn. I have to stop bitching and crying. I feel like that's making them not want to look out for me. I don't know what it is. Maybe I need to be nicer. Maybe I need to kiss someone's ass. I don't know what it is. I'm working on it. I'm trying to get it. I know what it is. It's called playing for the Detroit Pistons. You're not going to get calls playing for a team that might be the worst team in NBA history. I'm sorry, you're big, you go into the rack, you're not a great shooter. And listen, no one's looking out for the Detroit Pistons. No one. I looked into it, though. There might be something to what he says. In the last two games, he's played 62 minutes, shot 24 for 41, 8 for 16 from deep. Wow, good for you. And shot exactly zero free throws. Zero? Free throws in 62 minutes? This was against Indiana and Orlando, and you cannot tell me they're playing clean defense, okay? Nobody's hitting them on the arm. Not one time. No one's giving a little jab-jab in the back. No one's pulling on his jersey. No one. No one. Scott Foster. I looked through his game log and saw that he's played 46 games this year, and he has shot five or fewer free throws 32 times. Five or four, few, five or less free throws, 32 times. There's only 16 players in the NBA that have a higher usage rate than Cade's 30%, which is also, by the way, on its own, fucking bonkers. And those, only one player, Kyle Kuzma, goes to the line less. And guess what? It's the Wizards! Okay, listen. Bottom of the standings, no calls. Top of the standings, all the calls, okay? That's the way it goes. The rest of the list is getting 25% or more free throws than he is. So, yeah, he has a legit beat, but again, get off the Pistons. Damn. 
Here's me out here stomping for Brandon Miller, Trey Young, and Kate Cunningham in the same episode. You will never get it again. A uh, couple of small stories and we're out of here because uh, it's Sunday and I have a headache. First, Steve Kerr. He finally got his money, baby. That Monty Williams getting $20 million a year and ending up with four wins on the year. I think they have eight. $17.5 million per year for Steve. Two-year extension, making him the highest-paid coach in league history. I got to say, he deserves it. He's been putting up a trauma, some of it self-inflicted, that whole Kaminga thing, a lot of it in the Moody thing. A Draymond thing's been inflicted by Draymond and Clay. Clay being, let's be honest, like a little bit of a pansy taking his role. <laughs> but whatever. It's all said and done. They're, they're figuring it out. They're just a nine seed. But this assures that for most of the rest of Steph's contract that he's going to have a coach that he knows. Okay, Steph, Steph doesn't have to worry about figuring out a, a new mind to deal with. And I tell you what, things could have gone off the rails fast. If Steve Kerr didn't get his extension, he goes, ah, maybe everybody goes. I really thought when Bob Myers hit the parachute button that Kerr might follow suit, but I am happy to say that he'll be there another two years, which coincidentally runs out when um, Greg Popovich turns 78. Things that make you go, hmm. Finally, it's one of my favorite times of the year, 10-day God time, when G-leaguers and other hopefuls get their 10-day chance to make it in the league. It's where eagle-eyed fans get to learn about the Blazers' Ibu Baji, the 7-1 center from Senegal. Remember, that was uh, our boy Drew Drew Eubanks, 10-day god, or Darius Days, the small forward out of Houston. Both of them just send, signed 10 days. For most of these dudes, it's a year or two of 10 days, then off to Europe or Asia, then to continue their ba basketball journey somewhere else. For others, like Admiral Schofield, who has been on 10 days in two ways Every single 10-day span since 2019, check your watch. Or Justice Winslow and Taj Gibson and Justin Jackson. It may be a way to get back into the league. And for a handful like my guy, Duop Brief, who went from a 10-day, or Drew Eubanks, to a three-year contract. Blazers be pumping out those 10-day gods, don't they? They took a chance and impressed the powers that be, which is why I'm going to have my eyes peeled for guys like Ashton Hagens. Man, those Blazers. They, they love their 10-day guys. We fucking stink. DJ Carton, who signed a 10-day with the Raptors. Raptors also love their 10-day gods. Pete Nance, who followed in his dad and brother's footsteps by signing a 10-day with the Cavs. We then get a glimpse at some of the NCAA heroes like Tosan Iwoma of Princeton, who signed a 10-day with the Pistons. Come on, Pistons. Or Muhammadu Gay who signed his 10-day with the Raptors, again, after a standout career at Pitt. Raptors, Blazers, Pistons. If you're getting 10-day contracts, it's not most likely with the Nuggets. Just do not confuse him with Hawks rookie Muhammad Gay, who signed a four-year deal with Atlanta in July. But I do think that it's awesome that these guys get a chance at the end of the season to figure out whether they need run in the NBA level or whether they're getting spit out, chewed out, back to the EuroLeague. I love it the same way I love expanded rosters in MLB in September. For a lot of these dudes, it's the only time they're going to play under the big lights. Eh, some of the lights are big. The Motor Center right now, I'm not sure. There's booze at the Motor Center right now. They made it to the dance. So many no others never did. And as I said, a few. Like owner op Bitim, who had his 10-day converted into a standard multi-year contract, can use this as a springboard to a nice NBA career. 
those 10-day gods, shout out to them, support them, and get a jersey for them. We'll see what happens moving forward. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Come back for an all-new episode, The Rookie Report, and check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes, which drop unexpectedly like cobwebs in a dusty basement. By the way, Brandon Miller's not getting another Rookie Report the rest of the season. We gave him his own fucking segment. Do not forget to follow the Heat Check as we finish out our regular season. That means download. That means subscribe. That means tell your friends. Even that bitch sitting next to you at the Bill Burr con- concert complaining about how sexist, misogynistic, and racist his jokes are when he's literally doing the, the Lord's work, trying to break down the patriarchy, and trying to break down racism. Tell her, hey, do you not have the internet? Are you surprised by Bill Burr? Uh, did you not know what you were getting into when you went to Bill Burr, bitch? But also, by the way, while you're wallowing in your righteous indignation, turn on the heat check so you can really get offended by something. Oh, yes, and follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Tristan Crick on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We will see you next time, folks. Also, give Anthony a little love. He's feeling some kind of way right now. His Lakers are down bad. You know what? I fucking love it. <laughs>